it just seems like there's so much demand. So like, you know, I'm to the point of turning down fairly large projects even. Um, So it just makes me think like we could use more people actually. Hey, what's up, you guys? My name is Mikko Karshavsky, and welcome to episode 60 of That Remote Show, where we hear from location-independent entrepreneurs and professionals so you can learn to quit the cubicle and live life on your terms. Today is a deep dive Thursday, which means that we get to go deep on a specific topic related to the location-independent lifestyle and online business. On today's episode, I decided to bring on Steph Danforth, the founder of SD Studio, to talk about something that many of us are familiar with, but few utilize properly, and that's Upwork. So many people get started with remote work by offering their services on Upwork, but few are able to build truly sustainable businesses on the platform. And that's exactly what Steph and I discussed in this episode. Now, Steph has been working through Upwork as a web developer and designer for over five years. She got started back when Upwork actually didn't exist and was two different websites. So she's been through all of it and she knows a thing or two about how to run a successful business on the platform. We covered everything from how to build a winning profile, how to get your first client quickly, how to scale your business so you're not just another low-paid Upwork talent, and we even discussed how Steph plans her days in order to manage multiple clients and projects. Guys, I honestly think this could be one of the most important episodes we've ever recorded for this podcast. Upwork is a platform with thousands of opportunities that are just waiting for you uh, that can take you from a nine-to-five cubicle worker to a location-independent freelancer in like a few months. So this is super, super important. And if you guys figure it out, you can be on your way to location independence. And I seriously think that this episode has everything you need to get going, get your first clients and be well on your way to a life of location independence. All right, you guys, as always, you can find all the show notes for this episode over at thatremotelife.com forward slash episode 60. That's episode all spelled out, followed by the number 60. And don't forget to leave a review if you haven't done so already. I read each one and they make my day every time I read them. And also, share this episode with a friend. If you know somebody who is interested in becoming location independent, who hates their job and wants to travel, this is the episode for them. So make sure you share it with them so that you guys can be location independent together because how dope would that be? But all right, you guys, I won't drag on any longer. Let's dive into this deep dive Thursday episode with Steph Danforth. All right. Well, Steph, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us. I know uh, it's kind of late over where you are because you live in Thailand. So I appreciate you uh, spending your Friday evening with us. Uh, It means a lot. Yep. No worries. Looking forward to it. Good to be here. Yeah. So first of all, I have to, because in all this like kind of craziness, I get to talk to a lot of people from all over the world. And it's always kind of interesting. Like, can you give us like a quick summary of kind of like, what does life look like in Thailand right now with all of this COVID stuff? Yeah. I mean, it's been really interesting actually to be here because 
Uh, I've mostly been in Thailand, mostly been in Chiang Mai specifically for the past almost five no- months now, I think, like since January, December or so. Um, briefly left to try to take a vacation to Bali and then came back. Um, but we have kind of been dealing with it since around January because of Chinese New Year. Um, we get a lot of tourists from um, China over Chinese New Year in Chiang Mai. And so that was like mm-hmm. right around the time when they discovered it. So at the start, it was kind of rocky. Like we really don't didn't know like how big of a deal it was. Most of the cases were just people from Wuhan that were here. Um, yeah, and so then just kind of progressed. We really got on lockdown once um, it really broke out in the West, you know, like in Europe and the States and stuff. And so when we were in Bali, actually, we made, we were trying to race to get back here before borders closed. Um, I think we've been back about a month and a half now, maybe probably closer to two. Um, and it's pretty much been on lockdown since then. We just started reopening um, some non-essential businesses like restaurants and stuff um on monday which has been super nice oh man because uh, chiang mai has had zero cases for i think 20 days 28 days something like that just really yeah wait like zero new cases or you guys just like nobody in chiang mai has it zero okay zero new cases i think there might still gotcha. be a couple but yeah surprisingly there wasn't a ton that we knew of i mean maybe there was a lot of like cases where people didn't know they had it you know um, right. Yeah. But yeah, so it's starting to slowly open up. We still have a curfew. Um, but yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, I was in a in a similar position to you where I was in Iceland when all of this happened. And I just remember one day everything was fine. And the next day shit hit the fan. And it was like Dude. flights got canceled and like all this stuff. So yeah, it felt like there was definitely a day when all of that just all of a sudden it was like things are fine. And then we're like, all the borders in Southeast Asia are getting closed. Like we have to go home today. <laughs> like, it was right. Nuts. So I want to start off here with, um, because I know that you've been doing this for quite a while. Like this isn't, you know, you're kind of like your first year being a quote unquote digital nomad and, and, you know, running an online business. And what we're going to talk about is how to like use Udemy to, to build your freelance business. Um, but I want to start off with when did you hear about like the whole digital nomad movement and like, why did you decide to pursue that? Um, it's a bit of an interesting story actually, because both my husband and I, um, I guess technically we did hear about it. Um, but it was back in, I think 2009 or so when we first, (laughs) yeah. So we weren't, that's not, yeah, yeah. Um, that's not actually when we first started traveling. That's when we first started hearing, um, I think it was like tropical MBA, um, and those guys, like, like what they were doing and talking about. Um, and at the time, I think I just remember listening to something like on iTunes or like, I have no idea. Um, yeah. And then in 2012, we got married and then in 2013, uh, we moved into a van because we just were like tired of what we were doing. Like, let's do something different. Um, and from there... Yeah. Yeah. So did that for a little while. It was super fun. Um, the van actually started to break down and we were still super like bootstrapped. Like we have no idea what we're doing. And we're like, let's try like doing this internationally. So then we went to Europe for about a month, um, just to see like how it would go. Um, I didn't have online work at the time my husband did. And so, um, we're like, is this even possible? Um, and it was great. Like we were just at hostels and stuff like more the backpacker route. Um, but yeah, so then from there, we we're like, okay, like this international side of this kind of lifestyle is really cool. Maybe we could do that more. 
Um, and then we went back to the States and we're like, okay, we're just going to do this. So it just was kind of a natural progression. And then I think about maybe a year into it, we discovered like nomad lists and stuff like that. And we're like, oh, there's a whole community of people out there that are doing this. Like, this is awesome. So the rest kind of just evolved from there. You said like when you guys were doing the whole van life thing, which is which is funny because you guys started out with that and then moved on to kind of like doing the nomad thing while my fiance and I are kind of doing the opposite thing where we were nomads and then now like we're kind of like looking at that maybe in like a couple of years could be a fun way to see the US. But I'm curious because you said that you didn't have any online work then, but your husband did. So were you guys just living off of like the money that he was making? Like what was he doing? And then like, what was your first entry into kind of like online work? Yeah. So it's so crazy looking back every time I think about this or talk about it. I'm just like, why in the world? Like, how did this even work for us? <laughs> I think a lot of people have the same feeling. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So my husband was actually working for a company and um, partially his dad's company, partially his own company doing data analytics uh, and helping companies um, with their operations. Um, so like COO type kind of work. And then I actually, so because for a little while I didn't have anything, um, my first venture into online work was actually through Etsy. And so I made jewelry and sold jewelry on Etsy uh, in the van. Okay, so you're making jewelry and then you move to Europe. And like, at what point were you just like, okay, this is what I want to do. And then like, what were the steps that you took afterwards to make it, like, sustainable? Um, the jewelry, actually, I ended up quitting because once we started doing international travel, it just didn't work because most of it was handmade or, like, stuff that I had. And so I had to ship each piece individually. So, like, the shipping was too difficult. I didn't quite have enough, like, business experience to really figure out how to set that up as more of a business and, like, supply chain and all that stuff. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's when I ventured into more of, like, freelance design stuff. Um yeah, my original idea was just like if I could make 500 bucks a month or something because I was so we were so used to just living off my husband's income, which was um, pretty small or average, you know, um, but it felt like enough, you know, for what we were doing because we didn't have to pay for, you know, rent and stuff. It was just like, oh, cool, Airbnb, 500 bucks or, or whatever for the month. And so it was pretty, you know, affordable, um, especially at the start. But yeah, so to make it sustainable, I think... It's hard to say because it was just so sporadic and I guess organic for us in terms of the lifestyle side. Uh, in terms of the work side, it kind of just happened naturally over time. Like as we continued to travel, like I just learned more, fine-tuned like what I wanted to do, um, you know, started freelancing more, that kind of thing. Yeah, I remember um, just like when when you were describing kind of like how you got started. I also remember like now looking back, I don't know how my fiance and I, well, then girlfriend and I, like, I think I was making like a thousand bucks a month. And I think she was making like a couple hundred bucks. And we're like, oh, we're good. Like this, like, (laughs) you know, this is good. Like, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll be fine. And looking back, I'm like, and we like bought like one way tickets to like, you know, like I just look back at this and I'm like, what in the hell? (laughs) Like, were we, you know, like that's not, but it, it, you know, when you start making that first, even though it 
you know, it's not like a ton of money, that very first money that you start making online, you're like, oh, like, this is good. Like, you know, it's, I, I call it like the freedom wings, you know, like suddenly yeah. you're good to go. Um, so when you started freelancing, you know, a lot of people I feel like do get started with that because they have a skill from before that they can sell really easily online. Uh, did you get started with Upwork right away or was there, or did you start kind of like in a different way? Uh, so at the time it was actually still Elance and Odesk. Um, so this was ages ago, but yeah, so that's how my husband had hired contractors, I think through Odesk. And I knew of both and there were some like slight differences between the two. So I mostly used Elance, um, but it was honestly only like a couple months until um, it got replaced by the merger of what is now Upwork. Um, So yeah, Yeah. that's that's like 100% how I got my start. So I took like a web design course, but um, like halfway through or third of the way through, they released this PDF that, that showed you like, here's what type of work you can get with what you already know. And I was like, sweet, like I'm not gonna finish the course. Like I can already start working. So um, my, I guess, method or approach was just like start with what I knew. And then even though it was really small, like I was fine with that. It was just good to have something. And then I just kind of taught myself um, a little bit more every single time until I got to a place where it was like, okay, I'm making $30 an hour, $4 an hour, something like that. Um, that made it a lot more consistent and sustainable, like as a livable income. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I think a lot of people are at that point where maybe they have a skill already or um, they're learning a skill like you did and they want to start out like freelancing it on something like Upwork. What are some of the best ways to kind of get started? Because I know a lot of people make profiles on Upwork and then like nothing happens, right? So yeah. what would you say for somebody who is, you know, kind of entering that Upwork world and has just created their first profile? Like what is kind of like the very first things that they should do in order to set themselves up for success? Hmm. There's a few things I think that are really important to succeeding on Upwork. Um, one is having a well-filled out profile. So you need a 100% complete profile to really be able to be seen more in search, um, to be recommended to people, that kind of thing. Um, that just really helps like from the get go, make sure every single piece of your profile is complete. Um, but from there, you know, if you just have like two senses about you, like it's not really enough for people to get to know you or to get to know what you're good at and why they should work with you. So I think really focusing on, um, the value you bring to clients, even if you're new, that's a really, really good way to spin it is talking about value. Um, I think people can read all day. And especially when you're hiring, it's really easy to kind of browse through because it all kind of looks the same if you're just seeing skills like okay this person knows shopify or wordpress or whatever it might be um but sometimes you don't know like the ins and outs of that and what that means so really talking about how you can help your client's business i've seen really really helps make a difference um like connecting with people and helping them see that value um but the second one i would say is you really have to apply a lot Um, because it's really going to be hard, especially at the start to get projects if you don't really put yourself out there because Upwork, like their algorithm doesn't have reason to really recommend you to people if you're not really trying to get work. So your profile is just going to sit like if you don't really apply. Um, I see some people who are very specific, right. With what they offer, like, Hey, I'm a web developer. Like, this is what I do, like web development for Shopify stores or whatever. But then I see other people who have like eight different things that they can do, right? Like they're sort of like, I I see this a lot with like a more general VA, for example, who can do like, here's all these 18 different things. Do you have a suggestion as to like, is one better than the other or does it really not matter so much? 
I think both are good. I've honestly done both ways. I think it really depends on on where you're at or uh, like whether or not you really know like one thing you want to focus on. I'd say if you have like one specific skill set, like like for me, I really focus on Shopify, but I used to do everything like shop, like Squarespace, Wix, Weebly, WordPress, whatever. Um, but now I've found like I just like Shopify and it makes it so much easier for me to just do that. Um, so that's a really good way to niche down that can help with like keywords and stuff like that. Uh, but if you're just starting out, I think being a generalist can be really good, though, because then you can really experiment and see what you like, like what platforms you like, what types of work you like, what types of industries you like, all that stuff. And one of the other things, obviously, like that I've seen with Upwork is that a lot of it depends on, you know, like your rating, like, hey, how good of a like a freelancer are you like based on their rating system? Because like the way that I look at it is there's like two benefits. One is if you go out and you get these kind of like short projects, you get reviews quicker, right? However, to many people, I feel like it's very beneficial to find like longer projects or um, like kind of like reoccurring clients because those keep bringing money in. What do you think about that? Like, should people get started with those shorter projects or should they kind of like start looking for those longer ones right away? Like, what are your opinions on that? Yeah, um, again, I think it both can be good. Um, It is tricky at the start because the most important thing is getting an initial review. I would say, because once you have one under your belt, like it's enough to kind of kickstart your profile um, and make it easier for future clients to then think about hiring you because they're like, okay, someone took the chance on this person and had a good experience. So I think just getting one, even from the get-go is great because then you just have that base. Um, as far as what to look for after that, um, I mean, both can be good. And it's tricky because I've had people ask this before, like, does it really make a difference? Like, does it affect your profile? And I'm not 100% sure. Like, I've looked in Upwork's docs and they say it doesn't really affect your rating necessarily, which is good. So, like, if you prefer to work with clients longer term, like, that can still be fine for your profile um, and vice versa. Like, if you want to take projects more often. My hunch is that shorter term projects can help boost it quicker versus, like, having long term projects because they can't really see, like, how well it's going. Like, of course, they assume it's going well if the project is still open. But um, yeah, I think if you get shorter ones, if you really need to like, for instance, I was down at like 70% or something because I hadn't used it for a while. And so then I had to like get a bunch of projects to kind of get my rating back up, um, which really helped. Yeah. Gotcha. And what about, I think this is something that a lot of people struggle with is pricing. Like what do they charge, right? Because I think that you can see on Upwork, you'll see people like charging like $3 an hour and then you see people charging $300 an hour, right? So how do you personally figure out like pricing and like, Mm -hmm. like should people start out small? Should people start out and say, hey, I know what I'm worth and they should immediately go like high? Like what is your opinion on like how to price themselves? I think if you have experience in your field and can really back it up and really show it on your profile, even if you don't have reviews from Upwork, you probably you will have a much better chance of getting rate like getting paid at a higher hourly rate or whatever you want to charge, like fixed price, whatever that might be. Um, if you're really new and using it kind of like I did to learn and to kind of get started in a new career or you know just for fun. Um, You don't necessarily have to start super, super low. I think especially if you're from the West and speak English natively, that's a really big kind of determining factor in being able to charge like more than $10 or $15 an hour from the get-go. Because Upwork 
as a platform in terms of clients, like majority of the clients are going to be from the US. Um, and people tend to really like hiring for some things, um, people that speak English, you know, for other roles, like for development, for instance, I know a lot of people that specifically talk about that as an area where it's difficult to compete because there's so many good developers from like Eastern Europe or India, Bangladesh, um, that just have like really cheap prices and people in the U S are used to working with people for that kind of role and, um, not worrying about the communication. Um, but yeah, so I usually recommend to people if you're just starting out to start, um, if you're starting out in the sense of like still learning and you're really new to the skill set, then starting anywhere from 10 to $20 an hour and then kind of like working your way up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with development, I work with a lot of developers. And one of the things that even though you're totally right, that there's a lot of really good developers in those parts of the world that will kind of like, you know, undercut a lot of, you know, Western or, or US based developers. The one thing that like, I think is really beneficial if somebody listening is a developer who is US based and is like, how do I compete? One of the things is coding in itself is a language. And if you normally already have to translate it from this coding language to then explain to a client in English what you're doing. Imagine how much more difficult it is to communicate that when you have another language barrier in between that, right? Like you're, um, you know, Bulgarian, for example, and then you need to like kind of translate all that to English. So I think that that's a big benefit to outline in your Upwork profile. It's kind of like really, like you said, like spell out the value of that. Um, so that, mm-hmm. you know, you're kind of not competing with those people from other countries. I think like if you're pretty experienced in it too, and can really talk about that and like being able to understand more about how your services help your clients' businesses, that is really, really valuable. I think sets you apart from the get-go because so many people just focus on like, I know this skill, but when you can really go beyond that to like read their mind a bit, you know, then people really notice. So even if you're, yeah, even if you're just starting out, um, I think people will, be able to tell, you know, that you know what you're talking about. Do you have a system or something that you look for when you're kind of like uh, screening clients or possible clients to make sure they're going to be good ones? Because like I have, you know, when I was working on Upwork and my fiance has as well, like had some like horror stories of like clients that were just like, oh my God, like just who, like you're the worst person ever, you know? So it's like, how do you make, like, do you have anything that you look for to make sure that you're working with like good clients? I think it's learned, honestly, over time. I, it'd be hard, I think, to distill. I do remember, especially when I started out, there were some, I guess, kind of pivotal moments where I had projects that um, I only ever had one or two actual disputes on Upwork, thankfully, where they were just like so irate for whatever reason and didn't want to even like communicate to finish the project. Um, yeah, so I think the biggest thing I've learned is to go with my intuition, which maybe sounds hokey, but... I found if I at any point in the project feel kind of unsettled about the client, whether it's the way that they're talking um, about the project, like the way they're talking about their budget, like if they're always saying like, I don't have enough money, don't have enough money. Oftentimes, like they might mention other freelancers or contractors. And I've had some times where it's a bit of a red flag if they're talking about, oh, yeah, I worked with this designer in the past, but like it just went so bad. And then the person before them, it was so bad too. And I'm like, hmm, maybe it's not the designer. Maybe it right. was you. you know? So yeah, some stuff like that maybe is a little more concrete, but I would say most of the time it's just a gut feel. Even if you're like the perfect, you know, freelancer and like, you know, contractor, I feel like everybody's going to have 
a negative experience at some point where somebody isn't happy or like you said you had a few disputes how do you deal with that because i think it's really easy for people to like have that happen and just immediately like i'm the worst like i'm no good you know kind of go down that spiral um when when those things happen how did you deal with it oh man this is very timely (laughs) i just had a project where it was a really big project and i kind of went like above and beyond on this client's website and this is actually like just last night and um we like launched it you know nighttime their time so daytime for me which was perfect so i could like work out any bugs and everything was fine but they woke up and like their sales were really slow so like something must be wrong because they're big enough to know that like they would usually have a certain number by a certain time and turns out there was a big uh, issue with adding to cart which i didn't see at all in any testing and i was like mortified like how did this even happen um, but yeah, I know like, you know, mistakes happen and sometimes like random stuff happens too that you can't always control. So, you know, we switched it back and, um, I, you know, I got on a call frantically with the owner of the company and she was like, what is going on? Like, I can't afford, especially right now, right. you know, I can't afford to lose all this money. And, um, so yeah, that was rough actually. Like last night, that was the first time I've had it happen in a while where it was like something bad happened. And so, um, yeah, it's been interesting, like, because I haven't had it happen in a while, but you have to do your best to have a level head and remind yourself that um, it is, at the end of the day, a business, even though you're the one providing the services, you know, so sometimes things are going to go wrong. And sometimes something happens that you don't expect, or you make a mistake. And I think it's human, and it's natural. So like, I found I have to keep reminding myself to, you know, have a little bit of self-compassion and, and be realistic too, like, you're not always going to get it right. But if you get it right most of the time, like 90% of the time, it's pretty good. So yeah. I don't know if so, if so much people who work like a nine to five corporate job get this, but I know a lot of people who do what we do who've had that experience of like, it's 9.30 p.m. And they're like, oh my God, like I'm stressing out. Something happened. Like, you know, like <laughs> the world's falling down. There's like, you know, lots of stress going on there. Like you need to jump on your computer. Like everybody's experienced that. Like when that happened for you, how do you kind of like de-stress and get composure? Because like, I think that's like, an, like different yeah. people have a different way of like, okay, like let, you know, like, like let's figure it out. Like, do you have any tips for people who maybe haven't experienced that yet, but know that it's coming down the road? I think uh, maybe it sounds really simple, but for me, just like trying to take a step back in my mind and taking a quick breath, like for instance, like, you know, I quickly hopped on the call with the owner of this company and on the call, like she was, you know, losing it mm. and maybe she shouldn't have in some ways, but like at the same time, like I understand. And so like, I then had to be like, okay, like I still have to be a professional. Like I can't lose my, you know, lose my head over this, even though like I feel frustrated and I feel like, you know, all these things are going on, but yeah, like taking a step back to be like, okay, I can, I still got this. And I still can fix it. Like things are still going to be okay. I think as long as you try to take a positive mindset and know that things can work out. And that's not always true. Like sometimes stuff doesn't work out. But when you do your best to try and make it work out. And yeah, I think doing your best in general and having that mindset helps. Because then at the end of the day, 
even if the client isn't happy or something goes wrong, like you still did your best. And so you can't really be too hard on yourself then. Yeah. I really like what you said about kind of like keeping composure kind of because like in, you know, like one of the signs of a good leader, right. Is like under stress, you kind of don't freak out and you can think and you can like, you know, decide what to do. And I think in those situations, like when you are working with a client that way, you do need to take that role of like, Hey, like it's going to be okay and calm them down. You know, even if you're freaking out on the inside, like you need to almost like, you know, when you think about good leaders, even if you look at them and like you assume they're human, they're freaking out. Like they need to kind of like, Hey, like, let's talk you off the ledge. Like we're going to figure it out. Like it's okay. You know, that sort of thing. Um, I am curious, how do you separate from work, right? Like we've heard so much about, and especially now so many people are experiencing remote work and I've heard from friends that are like, I just feel like I'm working all day. So how do you separate your work from kind of like relaxing um, or do you not? Like how do you find balance or have you just decided that there is no such thing as like a balance? Ooh, it's such a tricky question because I feel like I've gone both like to both extremes throughout different times of like remote work. Um, and it's really varied too, I think, depending on the situation. So like for instance, last year, we spent most of the year traveling like the whole year and more than just like typical nomad travel, we were like a month here, a few weeks there. It was like every week, every two weeks, new places. Oh, we're going to go pop over to the city for a day. And so it was like exhausting. And I knew for that, like I had to be, it was interesting. I mean, this is kind of separate, but it was interesting because all of that took so much energy. I didn't have as much energy for work. So um, that in and of itself made me separate because like I had to be so on for like all the travel and all the stuff we were doing. Um, so that was in some ways great. But then after a certain point, I felt like work suffered. Um, so that's kind of been like one extreme, I guess. But then on the flip side, I mean, this is the other extreme. So I know like when we first got on lockdown, I was like ecstatic <laughs> because, you know, I had just come off of like this past year of not being able to do as much and like really wanted to work on my business. I'm like, this is going to be great. And so now like two months in, I feel like maybe coming out of that in the sense of like, okay, having a little bit more balance would be good. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, t- I tend to float, I think, to the different extremes because I really like deep work. And so I love being able to have an idea or multiple ideas um, about my business or about different things and just like really go deep on them and execute really fast, um, you know, and try MVPs and just like see what sticks. Um, but then I know that oftentimes when I do that stuff, I have to back off because then I'm not going to have enough energy to really maintain it. Um, yeah. So I think maybe it depends on like what stage you're at, because if you really need to like kickstart something, whether it's freelancing or a business, whatever it might be, then it, I think it can be val- valuable to like use all your motivation. But if you're just maintaining, then I think, yeah, having the balance can be good. So I find when I'm in that kind of stage, um, that just having routine really helps so that I always have like, this is where I work at this spot on the table or like I have a home office right now, but um, in the past it would always be like this room or yeah, this, this part of the table, whatever it might be. And then as best as possible, try to, um, you know, end work at the same time each day, which is hard <laughs> when you work for yourself and you work remote, you can work anytime. Um, I think sometimes you also have to go with the flow, but yeah, in general, routine I find has really helped. And also if you work with clients in other time zones, right? Like uh, if it's nighttime for you, but it's the client's daytime, like there you 
you almost sometimes can like feel like you need to work a little bit later, a little bit earlier in order to have that overlap. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's why for me, honestly, like doing a call or an interview at night, like is totally fine Mm -hmm. because I always take calls at night. I'm curious when, you know, you said that the past year you were doing a lot of traveling and and working. And I think um, a lot of people like, you know, dream of being able to do what you do because they want to travel. Um, And so hearing that you took this year with like lots of travel probably sounds like pretty amazing. But I'm curious, um, would you recommend that people do that right away? Or do you think that people should kind of like, hey, start your business like, like, you know, and don't travel and then travel later? Or, or do you think it doesn't matter so much? I think there's benefits to both. Because I know there's been times in, in my life and like, for me and my husband, where we've had these moments of like, oh, the travel has been so good, but like, we want to do more, but we don't really have the budget for it. So then it's like, okay, well, you kind of have to, we kind of have to like, take a step back to focus on the business to really build it to a more sustainable point. So then we can do whatever those things are we want to do. Um, but on the flip side, like the times when we have just traveled, um, especially at the start, it was all so new that that in of itself was like such a high that it was fine. And we weren't really, you know, we didn't care as much about specific things of travel. Like we weren't to the point of like optimizing it and wanting really specific things that we are at now. And, and the reason why I asked that is because I think like to give like my personal opinion, I think a lot of people like, like start off and then they go traveling. And then what happens is that they, like you said, it can travel can be really like tiring. Uh, and then they don't have the time to invest into their business. Right. And so then what ends up happening is like ne- neither one kind of grows, but I think sometimes if you take, you know, and like my fiance and I have done this where we take three months and we don't really travel. We like bunker down somewhere. Uh, hopefully not because there's a quarantine and we have to, uh, and focus in on the business. And then, you know, you know, maybe that business grows a little bit and then you can kind of like go and like relax a little bit and do a bit more of the travel. Um, what do you think about that? Is that something that you guys have, I mean, obviously you're kind of doing that right now. Um, but have you had a similar experience? Yeah. When we can tell like it's time to focus on the business a little bit more so we can do other things. Um, and I think that in a way is kind of its own balance, like those two different extremes, like taking two months to travel or like primarily focus on travel and then two months to just work on business. Um, we've definitely found in the past that when we were traveling a lot, that um, it was really nice to have the balance of a couple months at a time or like a, a full month in one place just for work, where, especially when we didn't know anyone there because we would be able to focus so much more. Um yeah, I think it's a great way to go about it. Like if you can kind of structure in some of that time for both. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I think um, even like Tim Ferriss in the 4-Hour Workweek even talks about like going through seasons. It's funny that like you read that book and then you don't touch it for like six years and you kind of forget yeah. the things that he wrote about <laughs> and then have to like relearn them. And then you go back and you're like, oh, yeah. I recently reread it. And I was like, oh, he kind of had some things figured out. I had to figure out for myself. But um, we kind of talked about managing your your kind of like schedule in, in a very meta sense, right? In like a year sense. But I'm curious, how do you manage your kind of like days? Because if people are working with a lot of clients, right, that can sometimes be tough is how do you manage like which client you work for when um, and, and that sort of thing? Like, do you have any sort of like schedule or system that you figured out for yourself? Yeah, this has taken me a long time to really optimize. I feel like I'm still working on it, to be honest. Um, 
I think it definitely depends on the type of work that you do too. Again, for me, I end up doing a lot of stuff that requires like chunks of time, like deeper work. So I can really get creative or really get inspired or like really fix a problem. So I'll often schedule like two to three hour chunks in my day for certain projects. And then sometimes it won't take that long. So then I have like either extra free time or like I'll work on a different project to kind of fill that in. Um, so in general, I t- try to take on only a few projects at a time um, or I'll take on like little filler projects, maybe just if I'm bored or something. Um, so yeah, I tend to try to just do a few a day, like these larger blocks of time. And do you primarily work with like just one client at a time or are you managing multiple client projects at the same time? Pretty much always multiple. Uh, I'm starting to move more towards just doing one or two at a time because I feel like just would be nice for the change because I've done um, about five or six at a time over the past like couple months, which is which has been fun and good to like take advantage of things. But I feel like I constantly have to relearn this lesson because <laughs> I get really excited about different client projects or opportunities. Uh, and it's a matter of like knowing your capacity and um, getting better at it over time. But yeah, I think that is a really big part to the schedule thing as well as like knowing how much you actually can handle. Yeah. yeah, I think I heard a, an interesting quote recently, and I can't remember who said this, but they said um, that our generation will be the first generation that will be defined by the things we said no to, as opposed to the things we said yes to, because we just have, you know, generations before had like, you know, very few opportunities, very few things kind of come up while we're constantly showered by like social media and TV and shows on Netflix and all this kind of stuff. So kind of like being selective as to like the things that you say no to. So when you're working with multiple clients, I think a lot of people will relate to this that, you know, do some sort of freelancing. Do you work on several different client projects on the same day? Do you kind of say this day I'm working on this client? Like how do you manage that relationship? Uh, It really varies. I try to do it where it's like a couple, like max a few a day if I'm working full time. Um, Because I'm often also like I have another business as well in e-commerce. So I'm often working on that too. Um, But with just the freelance side, try to just keep it at a couple a day. But there are definitely times where um, depending on the project, like I need to just work on one thing. So I'll just do that for the day. And then the next day, I'll just work on one other project. Um, with web design, especially, I found like there's different cycles, you know, of design. So I can say, okay, here's these core pages and then they need time to review. So it works for me to then work on other projects in the meantime. So it's kind of a good balance there. Yeah. Do you personally, this is kind of like getting very specific, but I'm curious, since, like I said, I work with developers. Do you like when you're doing your web design, do you also do the content and the uh, like the images and all that kind of stuff? Or do you handle just the design and then let the client figure out how to get that? Or I guess the third option would be like, do you work with a partner who does the content, that sort of stuff? Yeah, most of the time I just do the design. Occasionally I'll write a little bit of content Mm -hmm. um, because they kind of go hand in hand. And if you know the business well enough um, and you're creative, I found like the content side isn't too hard if they're kind of just starting out. Um, If it's like a redesign and they've been in business for a while, usually they have all that stuff already. So I'm just handling like Mm -hmm. how to organize it and make it look pretty and all of that. Gotcha. Um, I want to kind of like zoom out a bit. We just went in really deep, which is awesome because there was a lot of actionable stuff there. But I do want to zoom out a little bit because I'm curious about, I feel like I've said I'm curious like 18 times on this episode, but I really am very interested. This is one (laughs) of those things that you notice like 
when you start doing podcasts and you like re-listen, you're like, wow, I really tend to say this word a lot. Like <laughs> you kind of, you know, zoom in on that. <laughs> but um, how is the Upwork business going right now? Obviously, we're hearing about so many people who are losing their jobs or their businesses are going, um, you know, they're going out of business. How are things in Upwork right now? Are, are things slowing down? Do you feel like there's more opportunity? Just what are your, like, what are you feeling on that? I feel like there's way more opportunity than ever. And I think that's part of why I've been like super busy. So that's why I've been handling so many projects is because uh, basically since March, when things kind of exploded, if you will, with Corona, um, it's just like everybody is kind of, you know, all of a sudden being forced to work online. So at first it was like a lot of brick and mortars that I noticed that were like, okay, we now need to figure out how to do delivery or we need to figure out how to like sell our products online and like integrate with Facebook and Instagram and all that stuff. Um, so especially for me, you know, because I'm in web design and that is like so crucial to so many businesses that are transitioning. Um, it's just been crazy. Um, but I think pretty much anything related to that as well. Like if you can help people that are now getting started with online business, then you're definitely going to find opportunities. So I mean, it's, it's, yeah, it's been crazy. <laughs> do you feel that this is a long-term change or do you think it's kind of like a boom and then things are going to slow down like at once kind of things go back to normal? Like what are your kind of like your feelings around that? I don't know. I think it's so hard to tell. I've thought about this a lot because I'm like, you know, what does this mean? Not only for my business, but like, what does this look like going forward? How are things changing? Um, it's basically... I mean, not everybody, of course, but there's a massive amount of people that are getting into working online in general right now. Um, and so like the things people are going to come up with uh, or even just even just the people that have existing businesses that need to transition into online, it's going to bring like so much more competition to the online space and like e-commerce and um, all that stuff. So, yeah, I, I'm really curious. I really don't think like on the freelancer side that it's going to go away because like if you have this many more people that are looking for things now, presumably they're going to get some sort of start. Like they could also fail, which would suck, um, you know, and not really get much from what they're doing and what they're trying to start. But for a lot of people, I think, you know, especially if they're in a situation where they're transitioning a current business to online, chances are they already have enough knowledge, like how to run their business. It's just a different way. Um, so, yeah, I think people are still going to need freelancers to really help run their businesses, to grow their businesses. So I definitely don't see that side going away. But um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it's so hard to say. Do you generally feel that this is a good time to get into like freelancing, uh, like specifically through Upwork? Or do you think that it's not a good time? I think it's definitely a good time. I think... I mean, I think a lot of people are right now. So maybe it's a little bit more competitive just seeing like what is coming in like my lane um, in terms of work. And so maybe that's not the case for everybody. But at least from what I've seen, it just seems like there's so much demand. So like, you know, I'm to the point of turning down fairly large projects even. Um, mm -hmm. So it just makes me think like we could use more people actually <laughs> like helping get people started. Yeah. And I mean, like, I'm super happy to hear you say that because if you're listening right now and, you know, you're kind of like deciding, you know, you've been wanting to do this, like now is the time. Like you've heard Steph say it. Now is the time to get into it. Make that Upwork profile. And the thing to remember is like half the people are going to make that profile. And they're not going to do jack shit with it. So make mm -hmm. that profile, take the tips, you know, all the things that Steph said about how to improve your your profile, how to stand out and like 
apply like you know like do something like instead of just kind yeah. of like because i'm sure you've seen it i've seen it before where somebody has made a profile and it's like blank right like they took that easy step and then there's like really nothing else done there mm-hmm. i do have a few more questions here um i know that we're nearing kind of like the time um and i you know i know you have lots of work and like i, like I said it's it's late over there so um i am curious about the difference between being a freelancer on Upwork versus I've noticed that they, I don't know how recent this is, but that they also offer you to work as an agency and uh, to kind of like have an agency that you then apply for work through. Have you, do you have any experience with that? Like, what do you, like, what do you think about that? Is that something that like, who should that be for? Who should just start out as a freelancer? Just kind of like, what are your, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's a really interesting feature. They've had it for a few years. So I, I started um, messing around with it a few years ago, actually, because I've gone back and forth a couple of times. Like, should I have an agency? Like, do I want to branch out? It could be really useful, especially for like times like this when there's a lot of work. Um, so yeah, it's, it is meant for agencies or people that want to start agencies, even at a really small scale. So like, let's say you're a developer and you get a lot of work, you really know what you're doing well, so you wanna build a team. Um, that could be a good fit for you um, in that case. The only interesting thing that I found about it is that they still hire people as if they're freelancers. So you can't, at least that I've seen, maybe they've like made changes, but um, in the past you couldn't hire an agency, which is typically what you would do You know, if you're going just to an agency in general, like, okay, I want to hire you to do my social media or to like build this app or whatever it is. And so then you don't always know like all the people that are working on your project. Whereas with Upwork, you still end up having one person. So it's a little bit of a weird setup, I feel like in that sense of like, okay, so you're still hiring like XYZ developer, but it's probably actually the whole team. So I've always wondered like how that works with payment to like get everybody paid appropriately or maybe like it still just goes to the agency. So I'm not 100% sure like what that is. Um, and, and maybe more like the back end side if you're, if you're trying to build an agency and use it in that way. So maybe it's just like a logistics thing there. But yeah, it's an interesting feature if you want to have a team. So what you're saying is that like, like freelancers and agencies and Upwork sort of compete for the same things. Like it's not like, Hey, I'm looking to hire just one person who's a freelancer. I'm looking to hire more of a team. They kind of like live together. They're not separated. Yeah. There's, there's ways that as a client, you can specify that you're looking for an agency. Um, And this is where I feel like maybe there is some, some crossover into like what agent, how agencies operate more normally where you just hire the agency instead of like one person um so yeah like if you're hiring you can specify i'm looking for a you know a team of people that have like a wider expertise um or like wider you know array of knowledge um but you can also specify i just want one person so it is weird though because on the flip side for like if i posted a project um agencies and freelancers can apply even if you specify you only want one or the other so mm-hmm. agencies can apply like with one specific person in mind. So yeah, at the same time, I know a lot of people who are freelancers, quote unquote, on Upwork, but they have like a team that does like 80% of the things they do just on the back end, right? So it is, it is almost like Upwork tried to do something that people were already doing and they were trying to kind of like almost like legitimize it in a way and give people the opportunity to like not just be like 
fronting, you know, but um, I think that it is interesting. I was curious kind of your opinion on it. But in wrapping up, I have one last question, which is that there's a lot of people who are on Upwork who don't make a lot of money, right? Like you can kind of like see it like a lot of like times, like people like you say, like, like, you know, you're an Upwork freelancer and like that can kind of sometimes have like a, you know, connotation of like, oh, you're making like $5 an hour or whatever. But what are your top three tips for people who are either just getting started or, or who, you know, have been on Upwork for a while, but are like really kind of having trouble like elbowing up to kind of like being like a top earner? Like what are your top three tips for somebody to become like a top earner and, and, and make like good money? Mm, that is a really good question. I think there's a lot of different ways uh, to get there. I think the first by far is that you need to scale your rates because um, if when you do the math and break down the rate, the percentage that Upwork takes, even though it's not as much as people often think, like it's not a straight 20%, um, it is still high. It often ends up being closer to like 10 to 12 or 13 percent depending on how big the project is um, which is still a massive chunk if you're doing a big project you know so you really need to understand like on the back end um, how much time you have to actually work which is something I don't think people always think about in the sense of like you know if you're working for $40 an hour you're probably not going to be billing 40 hours a week at $40 an hour because there's so much communication that goes on you're not necessarily like turning on your time tracker every time that you're responding to an email um, or like checking your phone or, you know, every time that you're thinking about the project, but not actually working on it. So there's a lot of like that back end, I guess, time that kind of goes into freelancing that um, like still kind of comes through in the project, but you're not really getting billed for. So it is important to think about like how much time and energy you have for those billable hours um, in order to make that work. So within that, like maybe you find, that you really prefer fixed price projects because that really fits more easily for you to like schedule out your weeks and your months. Um, so just knowing that I mean, in and of itself is a big step, I think, to helping you get to a more sustainable structure um, as well as even hourly. Like if you know that you can always put in 25 hours a week, that means you need to have your rate be X, Y, Z. Um, so I think both of those, like knowing your capacity really influences like knowing what you have to charge to be able to make what you want to make. Um, Cause it's not always just like scaling your rate forever. Um, while that's useful, you know, I think there are certain caps depending on what you're doing and depending on what kind of people you want to work with. So um, yeah, definitely thinking about your capacity, like what you want to do. And then, yeah, of course, like raising your rate over time. Gotcha. Well, Steph, thank you so much for coming by. I really appreciate you taking the time to, to chat and to like really like I think this was a, a lot of really valuable information. So I really appreciate it. Um, in wrapping up, kind of where can people find you online if anybody is like listening and has a Shopify store and was like, oh, my God, I love Steph. I need to have her come work for me. Where can they find you? Uh, so you can find me. My website is the SD studio. So short for Steph Danforth um, dot com or same for my Instagram handle. Um, the SC studio. Awesome. I will have that all linked up in the show notes. Um, so people can find it easily. Steph, thank you so much for coming by. Seriously. This was a pleasure and, uh, best of luck and stay safe out there. Thank you. You too. Pleasure to be here. Thank you. (laughs) 